Hey jerk. Uh, What's up? Thanks for thanks for losing a shootout tonight. Hello, 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 everybody. It is us, the Teal Tinted Glasses crew, here for another show. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a few more teams that were eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to talk about uh, some goings-on. Obviously, the draft is coming up, and you guys have been on us to discuss the draft. So discuss the draft we will. Um, we're also going to talk about a few other things, expansion draft, uh, rumors about... Jonathan Dolan finally coming over and a coaching changeover in uh, Columbus. So um, I hope that sounds exciting. Probably not as exciting as the game going on right now. And I do apologize for that. If we had a little more foresight, we probably could have scheduled the show differently. But this is when we're here. So uh, let's make the best of it. Uh, tonight on the show, as always, Mr. Kevin Lacey. How are you doing, Kevin? Hey, um, so... I was looking at the YouTube title of the show, mm -hmm. um, which of course now I don't have up here, but <laughs> um, it was reminding me of, of the young and the restless or something like that. And I guess as Sharks fans, um, we're young at heart and very restless, but I feel like the intros should be like the, the slow motion and then... <laughs> so uh, I'm, at, I'm Kevin Lacey and uh, happy to be here. Uh, Ian, I want to see your slow-mo, and then we'll throw it to Jerk and see probably the best slow-mo of all time. It might be so slow that it'll last the whole show. But Ian, what's your slow-mo intro? Oh, wow. It'd probably be something really dumb. Like, just... There you... Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> and I see Jerk's already started on his, so there you all go. All right. Um, awesome. This uh, mine is so mine is so slow that uh that it doesn't even look like exactly. it's moving at all. Hey, I have good news for everyone out there listening or or watching. Um first off, thanks for watching because we know that there is an important hockey game going on right now, but congratulations. You will get and I'm already going to throw us with the the E for explicit content content here, but there are going to be no fucking discovery card commercials on this show tonight so don't worry about that you won't have to see that garbage that's true um we hate money here at tilton and glasses uh, except for <laughs> super chat donations which are always welcome and venmos and all that beautiful stuff um all right so uh let's get down to business here um I, w I thought last week we started talking about teams that got eliminated and, you know, maybe just musing a little bit on what went, you know, what's next for those. And we got some pretty decent feedback on that. So I thought, well, obviously we should probably continue that. Um, and I thought the team that we should start with, um, and these are obviously teams that are in the first round. We're going to do four teams today. Uh, we're going to do Minnesota, Nashville, Toronto, Winnipeg. Um, the next show then will move into Carolina, Boston, and then whoever loses this series, uh, just because I don't want this to like to take up the entire show and we always run long as you all know. Um, so <laughs> I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping this will be, um, something that, you know, keeps you guys coming back, uh, for more. So let's start with the Minnesota wild. Um, Minnesota is an interesting team to me because for the longest time they were just, they've always been, they're just there they're Minnesota. They're, they're just there. Right. Um, and 
I I don't know what they do going forward. Like they've they've got a few players they're gonna have to make some decisions on, but not a lot of decisions to make. And I think like I feel like finally Minnesota's on the right track to being more than just a team that's just kind of perennially there, but not really a super threat. But they're they're just there, right? Um, and- yeah, I mean, I don't know my my big glitch with Minnesota, and it's been like this for I mean forever. But it, it seems like they have way too many complimentary guys and not enough guys who drive drive the bus. You know what I mean? They get Kirill Kaprizov this year. I mean, obviously that guy drives the bus. I mean, he owns the bus. You know, and I I I thought Kevin Fiala. Um, is obviously not Kaprizov levels, but I still think he's a, a notch above everybody else. But, you know, it's just another year where I'm just very kind of whelmed by everybody, you know. And, and my big na- knock on Minnesota at the start of the year was they don't have a number one center. They don't have a number one goalie. And as it turned out, you know, the guys in those places, uh, I felt they were punching up most of the year. So I I think if 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 I'm Minnesota and I want to try and you know keep the good times rolling, like a number one center is, is my priority. I mean Kaprizov has shown that he can do things on his own. Kevin Fiala has shown he can do things on his own. But you know guys like Matt Zuccarello, they need some help. You know like guys like Jordan Greenway, Jewel Eriksson Ek. Like these are good players, but I don't think a little help in the center department would exactly kill them. And then a goalie too. You know I mean. Cam Talbot, uh, to the chagrin of of Ian, I'm sure, had a good year. Um, And and Capo Kakinen was very good as well. But it's still a little bit of a question mark, especially, like I said, Cam Talbot was punching up a lot this year, I felt. So, you know, they they can't afford to stand pat. You know, if they want to secure this position they are in currently for next year, I, I think they're going to have to add. I completely agree, especially in those key areas you're talking about, Jerk, with center and goaltending. Um, because with Jewel Erickson Eck, uh, obviously a former first round pick, um, and really <clears throat> has played very well since about right before the pandemic started and ever since then. But still, at 30 points in 56 games, not the guy that you want to have as your number one center. Uh, Ryan Hartman, not even a center, is was their second line center there in the playoffs. And Ryan Hartman stepped his game up big time, but still, when when you know those are the the players you're trying to uh, deploy in a playoff position, uh, that says overachievement all the way. And it, on our season preview on Tilton to or uh, on Tilltown USA, uh, I talked about how Minnesota was there. Um, but certainly not a threat. And Minnesota, I think, overachieved this year. Um, they, they had a number of guys who took a step forward. I think they really rode the Kaprizov factor big time, but rightfully so. How how many years have we been waiting for Kirill Kaprizov to come over from Russia now, knowing he was the best player outside of the NHL? And he proved he proved all the weight was worth it. But still, they do need some more players. They've got Matthew Boldy in the in the pipeline, and but again, we're we're talking wingers: Kaprizov, Boldy, mm. Fiala, Zuccarello, Hartman. Except in an extreme circumstance, you know, Marco Rossi was out all year. But even then, 
Minnesota was expected to rely on their their 18-year-old draft pick from last year as their number one center right out the box. Yeah, that's like a big ask. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, so, and then with the goaltending, Cam Talbot had a really good year, guys, but has Cam Talbot ever put together two consecutive good years in a row because i can't really think of it uh capo kakonen you know i'm really high on him but both years last year in the ahl and this year in the nhl he proved to be a first half goalie and then his numbers suffered big time in this at both levels the second half of the season so uh i'm not ready to just give him the number one reigns in minnesota so there are definitely questions as jerk brought up yeah, and I, I like that you mentioned Marco Rossi as well because uh, one of my good friends is a Minnesota Wild fan, and the vibe that I got from him was if Rossi didn't get COVID this year, like he would have been on the team. He would have gotten, you know, 20 minutes a night playing with either Kaprizov or Fiala. So I, I do agree with you guys. I think it is a tall ask for somebody that young, that green, but. You know, if uh, and maybe this is just anecdotal, but, you know, if if what my friend says means anything, it sounds like a lot of wild fans were wanting him in that position, whether or not he should be there. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think like that's obviously going to help. I I think they do have a little they do have help on the way. The problem is, is that it's like solving a number one center problem. That's not an easy fix. Because no one's just be like, here, have my here, have my number one center. It's it's cool. Uh, I I disagree. Have you heard what Buffalo is up to? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Buffalo may be the only uh, team in the league that's willing to uh, cough up their their number one center. I kind of like that destination, though. I don't know what I don't know if there's anything Buffalo would want other than Kaprizov, but that's the problem. Like, I don't know what they know. would they would do. I mean they do have some like the wild going forward they're gonna have about 18 million dollars in cast fees probably a little bit under that actually they've got a few decisions to make you gotta you gotta decide what you're gonna do with marcus johansson nick benino and nick bukestad you have to you know your rfas are going to be um kevin fiala who you're probably gonna pay a little more money to and you have to and you're look at joel erickson is gonna have to get more than the one point or something he's making now so there's they're going to eat into that cap space a little bit um but i mean they do have so they're going to have some room to make you know a little move not not a big one i don't think because again they're going to have to i i don't think all their guys are coming back but at the same time um there's probably you know they're, they're gonna move to probably do something the problem is is again can you go out and grab yourself a first line you know, first line center, probably not. I will say, I think they also, I think they also botched the Matt Dumba situation. I mean, he, a couple of years ago, he was coming off a really good year, 50 points. um, I believe in 17, 18. And, you know, you just look at that blue line. I mean, Jared Spurgeon is now on his big contract. Ryan Suter has been on the big contract forever and Jonas Brodeen kicks in next year on his big contract. So obviously, if you're comparing Minnesota's blue line to the Sharks' blue line, it's not. it doesn't look as critical, but I still think that they would have been really smart to trade Matt Dumba, you know, 
coming off of that 50-point season, especially with, you know, by all accounts, how many teams were interested in Matt Dumba. I mean, it. I I stand to think they could have gotten a first-round pick and another very nice piece to go along with it. And now, you know, his point totals have cratered. He's, I would say, their fourth best defenseman in their top four. And unless they can do some gymnastics, they could lose him to Seattle for nothing. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, and I think that's the danger. I think this is a team that you would hope learned from the Vegas expansion, right? Like you would hope that they'd be like, mm, maybe we'll just lose the player this time. You know, though, I so all the teams that orchestrated a side deal with Vegas, I always felt like Minnesota's side deal made the most sense and was actually the most justified. I mean, you don't lose so, Matt Dumba at that time. You don't want to lose Eric Stahl at that time. You know, I thought it was yeah. very justified. And But to your point, like, Alex Tuck looks like a hell there. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. but I think Absolutely. ultimately, ultimately I think they would rather have Alex Tuck over Eric Stahl. But you got to remember at the time, that season Eric Stahl was coming off of was, was pretty good. And he would actually build on that even more so it's you know it's it's a tough pill either way but i yeah i like i said i think that that one made the most sense but i do agree with you they did get dummied a little bit as did everybody else by vegas i mean let's not right they weren't you know, let's not forget that but i mean i don't know they just in virtue of how many defensemen they have i almost kind of flirted with the idea of them going for but i mean you know i don't see them asking Parisi or Zuccarello to wave. And so if they don't, you're, I mean, Fiala and Jordan Greenway or maybe Jewel Erickson Eck. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> they're kind of screwed either way they slice it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild that they've, you know, um, for, for some teams are going into this, like, and we'll talk about this later with the Sharks, but I mean, some teams are going into this expansion draft just with being like, uh, we're not going to lose anyone that we're going to lose any sleep over. And Minnesota, like, they're in the same boat twice. And that's just, to me, that's wild. Like, you would, I, and I don't know how you change your team differently so that you don't end up in that situation again. But it's just, it's wild to me that, pardon the pun, <laughs> that they're I was in this. waiting to twice. ask if the pun was intended. No, I, it definitely wasn't intended, but it's definitely like, it's it's interesting that they're in the same boat twice. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage to um you know to protect the guys they want and who they're willing to to lose in the expansion draft for sure. I think that's I think when it comes to the expansion draft, the Minnesota Wild are one of the more fascinating teams to me and how they're going to Yeah, I actually do it. they're one of the only teams in my my expansion draft prep to actually go the 4-4 route. Um and I think they'll end up losing one of their decent young forwards, but again, as Jerk mentioned earlier, a complimentary forward. So I think they're able to protect most of the good assets. So uh, I don't think Minnesota's in as as bad of a position as as we think. But uh, time will tell. You know, we're not the ones making the decisions for Minnesota. So while I feel that Jordan Greenwell's way is expendable, they might not, or they might make a trade. You never know. Well. And really quick here, and then we can move on. Um, you say we're not making the decisions for Minnesota. I beg to differ, because I think there's a certain expansion draft uh, 
game between the three of us, I guess, coming up here oh, in the next it. month or so. <laughs> so maybe we are making the decisions for them. This is this is this is fair. This is fair. This is fair. As soon as those as soon as those lists get released, we're we're totally on. So book <laughs> book, book that book the, whatever evening those lists get released, be here because we're going. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get it done. Um, let's talk about Nashville. Uh, Nashville was a fascinating team this year. Uh, this is a team where halfway through the season we were talking about at the trade deadline they're going to trade everybody and blow up their decor and it's time for a rebuild and then they march into the playoffs on the back of some really great goaltending by Yushi Saros. I mean they and the team played well uh, also but I think uh I don't think enough gets said of how good Yushi Saros was uh going into that playoff push cuz he was he was lights out like he finally became the guy that a lot of people thought that UC Saros was going to be, you know, he was going to be the guy that was going to finally push Pecorino. And it took a little longer than I think we thought it was going to, but um, I mean, I thought he was, he was outstanding. Um, and it, it's, it's funny that you say that too, because I know, and this, this may be a really obscure reference, but there's a, uh, the, there's a community uh, of hockey fans that I would say Kevin and I belong to. And in going through some some previous uh, chats, UC Saros actually came up and one of the folks said, you know, this was like, I don't know, five, six years ago. One of the folks said, oh, I don't really know if I see UC Saros unseating Pecorine, but ask me again in 2024. And, you know, it, it it's already come, as you said, it's come here much sooner than that. Um, I, I, I've said this team is where offense goes to die. And I still stand by that. I mean, you look at look at the like offensive talent that this team has, and how all of them underachieved, except for Kevin's friend Victor Arvidsson, obviously. But and and we've talked about it so many times on this show. I can't even imagine how many times. But like, how has Philip Forsberg not hit forty yet? Like, I really think like you look at where. Like this season, look at where Austin Matthews was. Look at where Alex DeBrinkett was and Alexander Ovechkin. I really believe Philip Forsberg should be in the same conversation as those three I mentioned. And he's not, somehow. He and, has the know. ability to do so. Uh, his consistency eludes him a little bit. But like 12 goals this year? Philip Forsberg's yeah. not a 12-goal guy. You know? So when you're talking about where offense goes to die, absolutely, because like Ryan Johansson really hasn't done it. Matt Duchesne hasn't done it. Kyle Turris did it very briefly in that uh, that three-way trade that we definitely covered in the uh, Till Tinted Glasses archives back in the day. But uh, they soured on him, and then he obviously hadn't done anything in Edmonton this year. I didn't even remember Kyle Turris was on Edmonton this year. Uh, so, but but... With names like that, it's very bizarre because obviously David Poyle has tried to make moves to help complement Philip Forsberg mm -hmm. or help complement Victor Arvidsson. Um, even Callie Yarncroke, who was a center, uh, seems to have taken a step forward as a wing, but again, still not like you're not like a guy who really belongs on in your top six if you, you're trying to make a legitimate playoff push. So it's 
I almost wonder, guys, if Nashville's kind of in the same realm as the Sharks, where it's like, how far is putting all of your chips in your decor really getting you? Uh, obviously, Nashville is still ahead of the Sharks right now, or depending on how you look at it, maybe maybe the Sharks are ahead of Nashville, because if Nashville absolutely is abhorrent next year, then... The, the, that question really comes up about you kept Yossi Ellis and Ekholm for all this long when you still have Fabry and Carrier and Ference and even going further down Del Gaizo in the future like Jeremy Davies they've they've got a lot of defense so I'm I, I'll pose the question to you guys are you surprised it's taken this long for David Poyle to trade one of those defensemen or do you think that they're going the Sharks method of we're just going to keep this until it works? Whew. I, that's a big question. I don't know. I feel like they've always had their, their, you know, they've always had that defensive course set. And I feel like it's, it's something where I don't feel like maybe it just doesn't get the attention that it probably should. Because he's been constantly, like David Poyle has constantly been trying to tinker with that forward group. Like that's the group that has seen a lot of the change, right? Trying to find ways to get more offense out of the group because he thinks he has the blue line set. It's going to be really interesting. Nashville is a team that's, you know, they're going to have a little bit of cap space to play with, but they've got some big decisions to make, you know, as well. I think, um, Getting rid of money on the blue line, I think, you know, you can do so by not re-upping Eric Branson. There's $4 million there. Do you have guys that are going to be able to fill that role? Probably. Uh, you know, um, they, you know, like, I think Dante Fabro played 40 games this year, so that's a good sign. Um you know, you know, I, they, they, they've got, they've got some guys they've got to re-up. Um, you know, Pecorine is 5 million is going to come off the books, but now you've got to play. Now, what are you going to pay UC Saros? Cause he's right. up and he has arbitration rights. Um, so, you know, now that's you, are you just going to shift all that money to UC Saros? Going to be really interesting to see what they do, because I feel like this team has to do some, like there's still good. There's some really good pieces on this team still, but I don't think the status quo is going to work going forward. I think they came, I mean, they came back really hard this year. But the Central, I, I don't know if the Central is going to be, uh, you know, is going to be awful next year, but I don't think it's going to be an easy enough division where you can just stand pat and hope for the best. Well, guys, look at look at what happened in the Central this year and what is happening right now in the playoffs. The best teams in the Central were all the Eastern teams that got transported into the Central this year. Yeah. Those were the teams that dominated the Central. So that speaks to how weak that division is. And now here in the playoffs, essentially Colorado versus Vegas is the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. And then they get basically a warm-up against Montreal, in my opinion, <laughs> before going on to the Cup Finals. But I so... feel like, but like, okay, so Colorado's there. And obviously Colorado's Colorado. Like, they're they're not going anywhere. But I don't. Like, I wouldn't go into next season discounting Dallas. Oh, no, no. Right? So, I mean, like, I still think I, Winnipeg's still a good team. They'll be back in the Central. 
I wouldn't discount them next season. Um, you know, so you put Nashville in that mix. You know, maybe, I, I think Chicago's coming. Arizona moves in, into the central. That's the the ticket for for jerks yotes. <laughs> no, that's gonna be they're gonna they're gonna be the uh, you know come into town, take your two points, and go team next year. You know, <laughs> I it's and I, I don't think I, Chicago's gonna sleep forever. Like I think Chicago is gonna, I think, on the verge coming back up. I think Chicago is a lot closer than people think. I mean, their blue line. I mean, the the new crop that they've brought in, you know, Ian Mitchell, very good. Nicholas Bodan, really good. And on the forward group, Pew Suter, really good as well. Did I mention those three names because they're on my team with Kevin? Maybe. <laughs> but regardless, they're still good players. And Alex DeBrinkett's your guy, Ian, mm-hmm. seems to get better every year. Yeah, I think good. it's going to be really tough for Nashville because, as you said, um, Colorado is there. Winnipeg is there. I agree with you there. Don't sleep on Dallas, 100%. Chicago, as I said, is coming up. As much as I am disgusted by the St. Louis Blues, I think they're in the conversation as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I can't even believe I completely forgot St. Louis in that whole Yeah, I, I think I think Nashville has a lot of a lot of soul-searching that they need to do. And, you know, they they as you said, Ian, you know, the blue line has been built up for a long time. And even the guy's not here anymore. I mean, Shea Weber, mm-hmm. P.K. Subban, Ryan Seth Suter, Jones. Seth so Jones. You know, it, it's kind of stupid how how many good defensemen have have rolled through that system at one point or another. But, you know, they tried to look for the forward. Ryan Johansson, as you said, Matt Duchesne. Mm-hmm. Um, they traded for Philip Forsberg years ago. They signed Michael Granlin, who I'm a fan of, and he. He hasn't been able to figure it out since his one year in Minnesota. So even though they've done it already and have been burned by it, I still think they need to find a way to juice up the the forward group. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking to myself a while back, you know, a year, year and a half ago, I I was really wanting the Sharks to try and buy low on Ely Tolvanen while he was, you know, toiling in the AHL. And now he seems to be... To me, you know, ever since they they let Kevin Fiala go for nothing, mm-hmm. you know, he seems to he seems to be like their one exciting forward um, outside of Arvidsson and Forsberg, obviously. So, I think the whole the blue line. I mean, say what you want. Maybe they trade Ekholm. Maybe they trade Ryan Ellis. But I think ultimately they need to focus on the forward group and drop a grenade in it. Honestly. And and the the funny thing about that guys is the the hot rumor that's been out of Nashville the last couple of weeks is that Victor Arvidsson might be the the man out and it's like he's one of the only guys who can score on your team what <laughs> yeah well that's what I always say is like Nashville is where offense goes to die unless you're Victor Arvidsson because you'll see you look back like there was one season where he was injured and I think he only played like thirty eight games or something right. he had twenty he had twenty goals. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, you, there's other guys who played a full 82, and it's like they were barely sniffing 15. So yeah. I I would drop a grenade on that forward group. Yeah, and, and... it's going to be a problem. And I think they're another, I think there'll be another team that'll be fascinating in the expansion draft as well. For like sure. That. I mean, I, I think they have to protect four defensemen. Yeah. And unless oh, they trade uh-huh. one before then. But also what you mentioned yeah. earlier with the whole goaltending situation, Ian, mm-hmm. you know, we, we always talk about, you, you know, RFAs and, you know, you have GMs who bend and you have GMs who are very firm. Right. I feel like I feel like UC Soros is one of the few RFAs in this year's class who can go to David Poyle and say, look, 
sign me or you're screwed. Oh, you and do not want to take UC Saros to arbitration. He'll no, and, arbitration. and and you know what? David Poyle, he's going to be bent over that barrel, and he's going to like it, Yeah, unfortunately. No, I agree. Like You do not take UC Saros to, um, to arbitration. There's just no way. Like, I do think, though, that da- that David Poyle is one of the better equipped GMs to be able to handle. I mean, not. I think he's smart enough to recognize that. I, oh, I would. I, I would I, hope so too. But I, I sometimes I wonder that, like, a lot of these long tenured GMs, like, and I'm not saying like again. I don't think David Poyle's a bad GM, but I always get nervous about long tenured GMs that are just so stuck in what they want that maybe they don't see the bigger picture. They start having trouble seeing the bigger picture because they're so focused on, I just not, I just need to do this and then my team will be better. And that's where, that's where the tie in with the sharks comes they, in for I a mean, lot of absolutely. folks. I think, uh, I, I think you could definitely accuse um, Doug Wilson of that. Um, not to get too on the sharks here just yet, but I think that for the longest time, you know, like Doug Wilson put a lot of, a lot of uh, emphasis on Norris winning defensemen. Like he was very in on Scott Niedermeyer before he went to the ducks. And, you know, the fact that now Chris Pronger and Scott Niedermeyer are very different defensemen where Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are very similar defensemen. (laughs) And I think that's where he went wrong, but, um, but yeah, definitely like sometimes you can just, get tunnel vision on trying to do something that you think is going to get the team over the hump. And, and I just, I, again, I'm not trying to take anything to Dave Poyle because I think he's been in his job a long time and he deserves to be in that job along as long as he's been, I, I think he's built a, a good team there. I just think that it's getting to the point now where he's been there a little long and you get nervous that maybe he's lost sight of the bigger picture. And I think that'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to watch going um, forward. Uh, so now we're going to move on to a team that I thought would be really easy um, because I'm like, well, everyone signs. You just got to keep keeping on. And that, of course, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. But um, not so much because really, like, the way this team went out, like, obviously not a great look for them, right? And and obviously this is the death of hockey analytics, the Leafs going out. Um, the death of hockey analytics, of course, because – you know the the, the analytic the moves. <laughs> the, the the analytic moves, of course, are you know Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton. Those were those were big analytic gets. Um, but I look at this team, and here is the list of players that are that are off the books at the end of the year: Riley Nash, Zach Hyman, Wayne Simmons, Nick Foligno, Alex Galchenyuk, Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, Zach Bogosian, Ben Hutton, uh, Martin Marinson, Frederick Anderson, and David Riddich. And I think this is where, like, the, the the analytic thing gets stupid because it, like, obviously, like, they're they're committed to their big core. And I don't think they move from any of their core guys. But at the same time, it's like you have to fill those roster spots for the rest of the lineup on the cheap, which they did to their, you know, to their credit or discredit, however you want to look at it, you know, bringing you guys like, like Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, guys, you know, looking for, you know, maybe that one last kick at the can. Uh, Jason Spezza, I thought, to Jason Spezza, I thought, was one of their best players in the playoffs, which is probably not a good thing if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> um, but, like, this is a team where, you know, and you list all those names, and what does that get you in cap space? 
twelve and a half million. Right, and and by you know by all accounts, Jason Spezza wants to come back for sure. Which, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Good and yeah, good for them. I mean, he had a good year. He's cheap depth, but again, another year older. Mm-hmm. There's always question marks around that. But again, for cheap depth, you know, he's a good. I I hate that I'm even saying this. You know, good guy in the room. Um, it's a piece you want to keep around. I think just kind of looking at this, I I don't I don't know. I I get the vibe that you know Zach Hyman's not going anywhere, or if he does, it's going to be like you know. 11:59 p.m. on July 27th. He's like, yeah, I'm not signing. Like, other than that, I I, I think he's going to end up back in Toronto somehow. Um, the thing, the issues I have with Toronto, well, one's one's like an expectation, one is an issue. I my expectation, <laughs> they need Ilya Mikhaev to revert to how he was in his rookie year. Like he was lightning for that team in his rookie year, and last year. I mean, say what you want. Maybe he didn't have good line mates, you know, maybe still some lingering injury stuff. But Ilya Mikhaev, he needs to step up. He needs to be the player he was his rookie year if if Toronto wants to have a deep run. I mean, uh, you know, Matthews, you know, getting 66 points, Marner with 67, Tavares with 50. I mean, that's fantastic. But mm-hmm. the guys beneath him need to pull their weight as well. And, you know, I'm, I have a lot of expectations for Ilya Mikhaev, especially because he started this year with John Tavares, and that experiment ended very quickly. The The issue that I have is with their blue line, and I understand, you know, why they bring in TG Bro- TJ Brody, why they bring in Zach Bogosian. You know, they wanted to be a tougher team to play against, and I respect the hell of it. I, I think in a lot of ways it was the right play. Only problem with that is you've got now Travis Dermott, who I'm a fan of, and Rasmus Sandin, two young defensemen who I think are very solid for their age, are either on the third pair or in the press box, and they're totally stifled. And, you know, yeah, I know you didn't mention Travis Dermott because he's a restricted free agent. I honestly, unless he takes his QO, mm-hmm. I don't really see, you know, a future for him in Toronto. And, you know, obviously Rasmus Sandin is locked up, but as a left defenseman, there's no way he's playing above Morgan Riley or Jake Muzzin. It's just not happening. And I just, I, I, again, I respect the hell out of what they did to their blue line. I think in a lot of ways it was the right play, but, you know, the, the stifling of certain guys in favor of, like, making moves that were, like, a year too late, you know? Like, I think they should have, gotten a Brody and Bogosian like player for last year's playoffs against Columbus, yeah. you know, and so I, there's just a lot of question marks. And I, and I, the point that's always going to be banged on as well is, you know, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, they're great players. No doubt about that. They're overpaid. And, you know, any other team in the league, that team's jam, I don't think would have bent as easily as Kyle Dubas did. Yeah, and I I think like and I'll let Kevin go in a second. And and I know I got like a lot of flack on Twitter because like, well, John Tavares went down. Okay, again, like I am going to be a guy who will tell you that John Tavares is a great player, but they also had you know like the other players on that team, uh, you know, like especially Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner had a ton of points, ton of goals, right? Austin Matthews, Rocket Dread winner, like. 
John Tavares is a big part of that offense, but it shouldn't have completely derailed that offense. And it's funny because the guy that everyone still wants to run out of town is probably the guy that played the best of the three, and that's William Nylander. But that'll be the guy they want run out of town. And he, maybe because he's the most runnable out of town because his cap hit's actually a decent cap hit for for the player. Right, but I, I you know... I, I'm sorry, Kevin. I, you know, I think that, <laughs> I think, I think that contract, like of of their big four, you know, that's the colloquial term for those players. You know, mm-hmm. of the big four, like Nylander is the only one who I would argue is paid probably what he should be paid. And to and yeah. to your point, to your point, Ian, mm-hmm. you know, and and I even tweeted this out during Game Seven, like, oh, the one player who's the only player who's been doing anything during the series is the one that gets the goal. Shocked. Not really, you no, know what no, I mean. Exactly. And and like you said, you know, Marner, Tavares, Matthews, like they had good regular seasons, but I mean, it's all about the playoffs. Like if you don't step up in the playoffs, nobody cares about your trophies or your points or anything like that. And you know, I I think I saw a stat. You know, going back to the 2018 playoffs, I think Mitch Marner has one playoff goal. Yep. Not enough at no. all. No, not for enough. for eleven million dollars. Like right. get real. No, I know, and that's and that's the scary thing. And I don't know, like I, I, you know, they're gonna come back with the same coach, and I, I don't, I feel like Sheldon Keefe's a good coach. Um, like I really like Sheldon Keefe, and I'm, I guess I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> I was gonna um, say he's your boy. Yeah, he's my boy for sure. How many uh, years did I say Sheldon Keefe should be the Sharks head coach? So right, it's like fine. he was the guy. Like if you asked, like. If if you asked us, like you know, even yeah, I think we and we said it on shows before too. I'm sure we said it on shows, like Absolutely. you know, if 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 you were gonna go and hire a coach who's not a part of the the, you know, the the circle jerk of guys that get hired all the time, you know, Sheldon Keefe was one of the guys that I would have definitely hired in a heartbeat. Um, you know, Kyle Dubas, I think Kyle Dubas has done some some good things. He's done some bad things too. Like that again, some of those contracts are ludicrous. You know, um, but especially like Marner's contract is bad. I don't care what anyone says. It's a bad contract. Austin Matthews, I'm fine with. John Tavares, a little high, but whatever. Like I understood you had to, you know, you had to put your pole in the ground somewhere and said, look, we want this team to be something. And John Tavares was that stick in the ground. So you had to do that. And I said, that's fine. I get it. You know, you had to go out and you had to actually be the team that signed the big guy because Toronto was always, you know, the team that always everyone said, oh, they're going to get this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And that's not just stupid Leafs fan. That's media and everything else. But, you know, John Ferris was the guy that they finally got where it's like, yes, we actually got this guy after missing out on other free agents. So I don't mind that contract. I understand what they're trying to do. The problem is, is now you've got guys making way too much money because of that John Ferris contract. And I mean, they're a mess. I don't know how you fix that. Um, are they going to be good next year? Yes, they'll be fine. You know, and I'm be... not good enough to win the Stanley Cup. Probably not. But will they, yeah. they'll be there? Will they? I don't know. You know, like should they have done better in that series? Yeah, of course they should have, but they didn't, and I don't understand it. There's so much that I want to touch up on what you both brought up, but we'll be here all night because you guys brought up so much. <laughs> so I'm going to take it a different direction. First, okay. though, I do want to mention Travis Dermott real quick. Mm-hmm. Travis Dermott's ice time fell dramatically after Mike Babcock was fired. 
he was a Babcock guy. He's still young. He's got time to grow and improve. However, he has not progressed at all under Sheldon Keefe, and his ice time has plummeted. So when you're, you're saying, jerk, that Dermot might be a guy who gets pushed out, I think 100%, because I don't think he's a Sheldon Keefe guy at all. Um, but what else can the Maple Leafs add on the back end? I don't know, because, and here's where I'm going with this, do they have the goaltending to get them to win a round? Because Frederick Anderson's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and I'm not a believer in Jack Campbell. I said at the trade deadline when they made the acquisition for uh, Felino and, and mm. well, they already had Simmons, but they had Felino and someone else. I can't remember. But I said the... To me, the reason why Jack Campbell was like 12-0 and 0 or whatever to start the, the season was because at about 5-6-0 and 0, and your backup goalie hasn't lost, you start playing harder mm-hmm. because you want to rally around your backup goalie and see how far can you take it. But the moment he got his first loss, they did exactly what I expected them to do. They turned back into a flat average team. So is Jack Campbell going to be the Leafs' number one goalie next year as the only goalie that they have really in the pipeline? I mean, they've got a couple of prospects like Wall and Ian Scott who are Mm -hmm. definitely not NHL ready. But what are they going to do there? I thought Jack Campbell had a good series. But but do I want to go to war for a Stanley Cup with Jack Campbell between the pipes? No. Like to me, that's that's like going – if the Sharks had gone into the Stanley Cup with Aaron Dell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That's that's a great. That's a great. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't know. What well, the and I'm looking for, what's great. <laughs> and and so I I think to Kevin's point, you're talking about you know you don't have a lot of faith in Jack Campbell as a starter. Maybe this is a situation where I mean you look at the guys who are available: Chris Drieger, Peter Mrazek, uh, James Reimer, Jonathan Bernier. Like oh god, Bernier back in Toronto, but like. You know, Pecorine, even Anti Ranta, maybe. Like, do you look for a goalie of that ilk to to kind of share the net with Jack Campbell and and maybe have them push each other? Because I know with with Frederick Anderson, I mean, he was in Toronto for five years, and every year, good regular season, and I feel like he just got complacent because nobody like there is. No, you look at their backups over the five years. Frederick Anderson was there. No way any of the net over Frederick Anderson and. The, the fact that Anderson started both games of a back-to-back, I think, would prove that as well. And, you know, he tires out, he's not challenged, and he falls apart in the playoffs. And so I think you need a Jack Campbell and then somebody like those guys I mentioned to, you know, they can push each other, challenge each other. And, you know, I always feel like teams tend to play better in front of their backup goalies. So why not just have two backup goalies? Yeah, Um so let's move on to Winnipeg quick because I do want to get on to other stuff. Um, yeah. I think the big question with Winnipeg, like Winnipeg to me suffered like death by a thousand cuts. Um, I think that like obviously the Shifley getting suspended hurt them badly. Um, and I think everyone expected like once Shifley was out, I was like, wow, I picked this series very wrong. Um, but I think another thing that doesn't get enough talked about enough is how much losing Dylan DeMello in game one hurt, uh, of that round as well. Yeah. Their hero. Um, like ever since he went there last year at the deadline from Ottawa, I mean, he's, he, you know, he's not going to get points, but he's a minute muncher. He blocks mm-hmm. shots like a motherfucker. So he's a guy you need. 
back there. And like to your point, Ian, they lost him and it was huge. Yeah. And um, with Dylan DeMello, um, over the last, I'd say, year and a half or so, the Jets fans have been super sour about their blue line. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, they got a, they have a pretty decent blue line on paper. You know, they got Josh Morrissey. They've got, they've got some young up and coming guys. I think Tucker Pullman's a decent hand. As, it's as hard to say get over team. losing Dustin Bufflin though. Like just having Bufflin just go for nothing. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a blow to any blue line. That hurt. They did trade, they did trade Jacob Truba, but Neil Pionk's been very good for them. But like losing Dylan DeMello really played into what Jets fans' biggest fears have been over the last year and a half, which was, is this blue line good enough? And cl- clearly it was not. Once they lost DeMello, it seemed to fall apart. Now you had big lumbering Logan Stanley scoring two <laughs> goals in a game, which I'm surprised he scored two goals in any single year, to be quite honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I started to see what all the people in Manitoba were worried about with the jets. Um, and then I can, I can talk for a while about Shifley if you want, but, but starting off with that blue line though, it, it was pretty bad. And I mean, when you've got Connor Hellebuck out there, you know, the savior of the, of, of the, the team, literally, I guess, saving pucks left and right. But Connor Hellebuck, uh, is way too good of a goalie to get bounced out that easily out of the playoffs by Montreal. I mean, Montreal, you know, great story, yada, yada, yada. I still think they're going to get slaughtered in the next round. Um, but they, I, I, mean, I mean, they hope so. Like at this point, I feel like Montreal's going to win the cup and then GMs are going to trip over themselves building crappy teams <laughs> with good goalies. <laughs> and and you guys talked about Toronto and I think Jerk kind of alluded it, alluded about Toronto seems to have that Sharks mantra of being one year behind in their roster every single year. Mm-hmm. Toronto's going to go for the Montreal approach next year, and that won't work next year. So $5 million to Brett Kulak. <laughs> so, here's, yeah. so here, I got a couple of questions, and then we're going to move on. Um, have we seen Paul Stasny's last game in a Jets uniform? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just because I mean, that's the one thing like that's probably the one place where Winnipeg has the hardest time is keeping free agents. Right. I yeah. And it's and it's funny because, you know, his first tour of duty with them, he was there not very long. He was there literally for a playoff run. Mm-hmm. But I I always kind of feel like, you know, and I think I even tweeted this at the time, but like, you know, Winnipeg ever since they lost Paul Stastny mm-hmm. they've been looking for his replacement yeah. Yeah. and then and so and then then they just decided to bring Paul Stastny back mm-hmm. and so you know I think they really like him as a player and I think obviously you know he you know was wanted to go to Winnipeg again you know despite having a no trade clause and as we know Winnipeg is not at the top of a lot of people's lists so you know, I think he in the little time he spent there, it, it seems to me like he really enjoyed the time there. So I could see him come back. I mean, especially, you know, I, I think Winnipeg's center situation looks very good. I mean, uh, Mark Shifley, obviously, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Blake Wheeler in a pinch if you have to. Right. But I think Paul Stastny, you know, I think at this point he can slide in, be a 3C, especially, you know, with the uncertainty surrounding 
Brian Little. Mm-hmm. I was about to say Brian Le- Brian Little was a huge loss for Winnipeg. Like that that gets very understated. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I I and I know you have more questions, but I there's so much going on. You know, I I feel mm-hmm. like the my questions with the Jets is like are they finally going to have a better third line? Yeah. You know, because I thought like Cop played very well, Lowry played very well, but it's like you know, it's always the big the big four, you know, Wheeler, Connor, uh, Shifley, and Ehlers. And then before you had Patrick Laine, who was kind of on an island. Then you have Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's kind of on an island. And I just think the forwards as a whole, the top is very good. But the middle and the bottom, I think, need work. And yeah. to Kevin's point on the blue line, like, I really like Morrissey. I like DeMello. Pionk, man, I thought, I thought Winnipeg was stupid for what they got for Jacob Truba. Clearly, I'm the stupid one because Neil Pionk is is awesome, and but yeah. you know, and then I look. I agree with Kevin. I think Tucker Pullman's a very nice bottom pair defenseman. But you look, Derek Forbert, Jordy Ben, uh, you know, all of these guys, Logan Stanley, who I think on a show Kevin and Zach Devine actually said would never play an NHL game, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's what I mean. Like he scored two goals. Yeah, I don't think we even thought he was going to be an NHLer. <laughs> yeah, and I I think. And and it's why I like all year I was banging the drum of them going after Matthias Ekholm because I was like the beginnings of this blue line is very good, but they need one more guy. You know they have like Demello's there to like dial it in and let Morrissey do his thing. Neil Pionk needs a guy who can dial everything down so he can do his thing. I don't think that would kill them. I said a better third line. I think Winnipeg's right back in business if they can do those things. Okay, my last question on on Winnipeg is there's when we, a long time ago, we had a run where every time we talked about a coach, we got them fired. (laughs) And then the following season, every time we talked about a coach, their team rebounded. Um, And one of those teams that we talked about rebounded was the Winnipeg Jets and Paul Maurice. Um, Paul Maurice has obviously been there for a while. I can't, like, I feel like you can't like obviously like death by a thousand cuts, like I said, but probably if you're Mark Chipman, are you happy with how that series fell apart so fast? Like how hot is Paul Maurice's seat right now? I don't think it's that hot guys. I know that, uh, jerk likes to use the phrase that two things can be true, Mm -hmm. but I mean, we've talked about how the lack of depth and, and, and consistency really hurt the jets. And, and so to me, I'm like, can we blame the coaching as well with that? And I don't, I, I I don't know. I think Paul Maurice still has some rope left in Winnipeg. Uh, he's definitely been, he's never been the top coach, although I think he's actually has legitimately one coach of the year once but i've never considered him a top nhl coach but he's always been a guy who's above average you know Mm -hmm. and so i think that with the the team that he's got and what you know his his track record and the fact that how many years out of his career has he been on the hot seat and then it never happens you know i think paul maurice is is the 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 man of nine lives, but he's only really only had to use like three. <laughs> so uh, I I think Maurice is fine here for a while. But you know if if we see the same problems next year, if Kevin Chevalier off makes 
uh, some some roster moves to try and improve the depth there. Um, you know, if Brian Little can't come back from his injury, he'd need to be replaced. If Paul Stasty, the reason why I made the weird face about the Paul Stasty question was just because mm-hmm. I hadn't considered Paul Stasty leaving. Like, I just feel like that's uh, he a is, bit, he is a UFA I, this year. Yeah, no, I realize that, but I just I I don't know. I just think that would be a bad move by both teams to to part ways, or both both the player well, and the yeah. team. I mean, um. But if, if they do make moves to replace Stastny, replace Little, and it's the same old show, then Paul Maurice might definitely be, or I shouldn't say might and definitely because it's one or the other here. I think he would be on the hot seat. Yeah, and, and, and I like to, I like how you mentioned our our history um, with with coaches on the hot seat, you know, yes. and you're, and, and you're correct. You know, I, I, I can recall a show we did, we spent... I think we spent 20 minutes about how Paul Maurice, you know, is on the hot seat because the Winnipeg Jets are this, that, and the other. Oh, and then just kidding, 52 wins, Western Conference final appearance. What the hell do we know? Right. But, (laughs) you know, but I I agree with Kevin. I I, I think this year, if it's the same old stuff, and I think, to your point, I think it goes beyond Paul Maurice if it is the same old stuff because we've seen before, I mean – shovel day off when he makes a move they're home runs and i know ian has banged on this for a while but he is very scared to pull the trigger yes. you know i think the um the trade for paul stastny back in 2018 that was his sixth or seventh year on the job and that was his first major move that he pulled off and 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 you know paul stastny is a good player and fit a need at the time but I don't think long term it was it was what the team needed at the time. Obviously, he's back now, so it's a moot point. But same thing, getting Kevin Hayes, I didn't really see that uh, the point in that at the time. I thought they could have used the help elsewhere. But you know, I I think as much as Kevin's point about uh, Maurice is true, I think you got to look at Chevy as well because you could make the argument his inability to get a trade over the finish line could hurt him as well. I mean, where were they? You know, where were they on the Nick Felino stuff? Where were they on the David Savard stuff? Mm-hmm. Like David Savard, David Savard, Savard Jesus, would have been a great fit. Would have been incredible. David Savard <laughs> would have been huge for them. And and it's kind of like, I mean, I would have to go back and look, but I don't think they did anything on deadline day. And it's like, OK, you were comfortably in second place. Edmonton's, you know, nipping at your heels. So is Montreal. You should want to do something that's going to separate yourself from the pack. And they did nothing. If you're if if you want to relate it back to the Sharks, I remember the number of years so that the Sharks acquired big name players. Well, Craig Reve wasn't a big name name player, but a big acquisition for the Sharks. Craig Reve, sure. Brian Campbell, Bill Guerin, Timu played a couple of years, but for the most part, these are a lot of assets being given up, and the players are gone after 15 games plus playoffs or whatever. And so I think. Shovel day off seeing what happened with Stastny, seeing what happened with Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes, we crapped all over that trade, or at least I did, but I feel like yeah. we did. But I also remember the only player who showed up for Winnipeg that year in the playoffs was Kevin Hayes. So <laughs> oops on me. Uh, but I think Shovel day off, you know, you're you're saying that he's kind of scared to make trades. His history kind of sh- kind of shows why he has the right to be scared. And then that circles back to what Ian talked about, about how players don't seem to want to stick in Winnipeg. And so 
it's it's yeah, it's it's the full circle it's like the the arborist like the snake eating its tail and shovel Dale needs to find a way to get that mouth out of the tail or the tail out of the mouth one of those yeah i i mean to, to answer my own question i think that like i don't think his seat's very hot right now um if they flop out of the gate in the fall and things get really ugly really quick there maybe it heats up but i don't I don't think his seat is. I don't think his seat is very hot. Um, I don't think he's going to have to use his fourth of nine lives. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got. I have a seg for you here, Ian, okay. for the next one. So, just throwing it back for for you, longtime Sharks fans. By the way, thanks for watching, yes. and uh, you know, here on this Thursday night with hockey going on. But thanks for for tuning in if you're live, and if you're catching us on replay, no problem. We understand. We're just happy that you're listening or, or watching us here. Um, for you, longtime Sharks fans, remember the fourth period that used to be hosted at the arena, the post game show with Bill King back in the day. My very first phone call into the fourth period probably eh, 23 years ago or so my very first point i said was kudos to paul maurice of the carolina hurricanes because how many years have we said he's gonna be fired and yet he keeps hanging on to that job and now here we are like 20 something years later saying the same damn thing about paul maurice with the jets so, we used to be a show here at Teal, Teal Tinted Glasses that got coaches fired. And if you want to go back to the archives, you can certainly find episodes where we talked about coaches and the very next week they got fired. I like to think that here in this new version of Teal Tinted Glasses, we're getting coaches hired. So congratulations, Brad Larson. You are the new head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Do I like that move? I think it kind of says Yarmo Kekalainen's ready to rebuild in Columbus, to be honest. But Brad Larson's certainly been an AHL head coach and an NHL assistant for God knows how long, a really long time. So congrats to Brad Larson for finally getting over that hump and being an NHL head coach. What do you guys think about about that hiring in Columbus? Because that one, I'm... I don't know if that's the right move, but hey, I guess they're spinning the wheels. It 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 makes me think with Columbus hiring Brad Larson, it makes me think that we're going to see some traction on Gerard Gallant because by all accounts, Columbus was one of the teams that was lining up for his services along with the Rangers and the Kraken. So Columbus going with Larson makes me think we're going to see some movement on Gallant soon, especially, I mean, he just won a gold with Canada uh, at the World Championship. So I think that's obviously got a lot of people thinking. Um, I don't know. I mean, to your point, Kevin, like he's he's a coach. Like, you know, he'll stand behind the bench and wear the suit. He hasn't proven himself to fail at the NHL level yet. Very so. true. Very true. Um, I, I, by the way, Canada won the gold medal. I can't believe it, but that's why I chose this hat to wear. I'm wearing it for you, Ian. Even go. though I'm wearing my, my Captain America shirt, it's a very <laughs> weird conundrum right now with Canada and U.S., but just go with it. Congrats for your gold medal. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I cared. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really. 
<laughs> like it's so it's so dumb like the world i just i don't care like i mean it's nice and i'm happy for for mario ferraro to you know to do some winning but um like i don't know whatever Here, here's the thing with with brad larson to me um and i i, I feel like this kind of goes back to like the same situation when the sharks hired bugner it makes me wonder if they if the ownership looked around and said okay here's the guys that are available but everything sucks right now and I'm just going to continue paying someone I'm already paying. And I know Columbus fans, I did, I did some, some cruising of the interwebs and, and looked at, you know, various places and Columbus fans seem pretty upset by the move. Um, and you know, does this mean that they're going to go into a rebuild? I mean, they might like, they've got some issues that they're going to have to, they're going to have to fix. I mean, you want to talk about guys that don't want to stay in town. We just talked about Winnipeg. Columbus is another team that seems to have that problem. Seth Jones is going to, uh, is doesn't want to sign an extension. So um, obviously that's, you know, problematic. They're probably going to have to trade Seth Jones. I still think there's good players there, but um, so I, I don't know if they have to go full rebuild, but I mean, with a lot of teams got really badly hurt in the last year and a half. And so, you know, I feel like this is a similar situation, you know, like um, obviously Bugner got hired before the pandemic, so they didn't see the pain coming up. But at the same time, I'm sure, you know, we saw the attendance at Sharks games dropping and dropping and dropping, um, you know, so and, and Hasa went with the guy that they're already paying. And I, I have to wonder how much of this is. And this could, I mean, who knows, maybe Kekalainen loves this guy. He's been in there. He's been in Columbus forever. Um, this guy has been, you know, he coached their AHL team from 20, uh, I believe 2012 to 2014 before moving up to the NHL, obviously, you know, look at, um, I'm not a big John Tortorella guy, but he's probably one of the better coaches in the NHL. He's been under that learning tree. I don't think it's a terrible move. I just think much like Bob Bugner, I think when you look at probably some of the guys who were available, you'd probably want to branch out and i don't like when assistants take over for head coaches because and i don't again i don't know anything about larson i don't know if he was the player's guy or not the player's guy or whatever but i feel like teams that bring in especially if it's the player's guy moving into the head coach where he can't be the player's guy anymore i just i don't like that dynamic and with with larson guys i think you know i said that he might be like a stopgap coach or whatever. I mean, if, if Columbus is aiming towards a, a refresh or a rebuild or retooling or whatever, Larson might just be the guy of, Hey, if he works out, he works out, you know, then good for us. We look smart. Um, but Larson, was he an offense coach or a defense coach? He was both. He, yeah. he coached one. He did kind of the, the, how the sharks were roving coach out positions there. Larson was the D coach for a long time. And then, or I know he was the forwards coach for a long time. And then most recently, the last two years was the D coach. So, uh, almost kind of groomed him. What's up? I said, he also worked the power play from what I read. Right. Right. So that kind of groomed him for, for being able to get the, get the, the full aspect of, of coaching down. So, uh, he does have that going for him. Uh, I think though that this move, and then I'll throw it to jerk. I think this move says they're going for futures for Seth Jones because Seth Jones wants out of Columbus, uh, which sucks for Columbus because you know they gave up Ryan sucks. Johansson for him, and 
and uh, Johansson wanted out of Columbus, and they had Panarin, and he wanted out. Dubois wanted out. Line A will probably want out too. Uh, but I think that with I think this speaks to where Columbus will go for what assets they want to get back with Jones, and that's all futures. But it, it, you know what though, Kevin is, it, and you make very good points. But it it goes back even like Seth Jones is the latest in a long list. You know, Seth Jones, Pierre Luc Dubois before him. You said Panarin and Bobrovsky. Oh, you know, you didn't. You didn't mention Matt Duchesne or Ryan Dezingle. They didn't want to stick around. Ryan Johansson did not want to stick around. But even before that, Marion Gabrick, Rick mm-hmm. Nash. And this is going back like previous GMs, previous coaches. And it just makes you wonder like what the hell is going on in Columbus that nobody wants to be there. Like I've yeah. never been I've never been to Columbus, Ohio, so I can't tell you how the city is. But like I and and, and even um Josh Anderson as well. Like he literally refused to sign there until they traded him. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you can, I just wonder if the well is poisoned, you know, whether they go after established NHL talent or futures, there's already a stigma that, you know, Columbus is a place that you don't want to be like, I can't admit, like, I, it just makes me want, like, is it, is it more than the coaching? Like, is the GM a problem? Is the t- culture of the team a problem? Is the city just a dump? I don't know, you know? All accounts from what I hear, Columbus isn't, like, a great city, but it's not Cleveland. So right. I, 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 I think it's fine. I don't know what's going on there. I, I feel really bad for the Blue Jackets fans because the Blue Jackets kind of are like, like the Hartford Whalers in a way, which is... To me, ironic because I, the inaugural Columbus Blue Jackets had like seven former Hartford Whalers on them, but uh, their fan base is so loyal. There's not a lot of Blue Jackets fans, but the ones Mm -hmm. that are there are right there, right there with their team. And I feel really bad for them because they, they just need someone they can rally around and every single player that they can rally around deserts them. Yeah, me too. And and to just to add to that, I mean, for how loyal that fan base is, considering like this is a team that that lives in the Eastern Time Zone and played at ten thirty, ten played a bajillion ten thirty games through most of their first years, like before they finally got moved to the East. Like logically, they should have been all along. I mean, I understood why they're in the West, but like, yeah, I mean that that fan base is put up with a lot of crap and you know you could say oh well detroit did the same thing for so long too yes but detroit has like and as an arbitrary six team like they had the fan base that you know they had the time to build that fan base up you know they've had success columbus i mean they've had a little success but i mean they're they have to be one of the least successful teams of the new expansion era well for well, and that's the thing like you said detroit detroit they had time to build up the fan base detroit was also a good team i mean for you know, four Stanley Cups, you know, between 97 and 2008. That's mm-hmm. very, that's a very good, um, you know, dynasty. If you will. you look at Columbus, Columbus didn't make it out of the first round until their 18th season in the NHL. Yeah. And didn't they get swept? Uh, they swept Tampa Bay and then they... Oh, get out of the first round. Yeah, Sorry. they didn't move past the first round right. until their 18th season. And But to your point, Kevin... The other times that they made the playoffs, you know, I they 
I know they got beat by Pittsburgh once. I believe they got beat by Detroit twice. You know, so it, it's been a. I mean, I don't want to say failure, but it, it one one time that you won a playoff round in 18 years and you can't even count the bubble because the playoff round they won last year was, you know, round zero. Right. Like they, and, and I don't know what, like they've got good players and obviously certain players have fit really well. They're Cam Atkinson, friend of the show, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Jack Rosilovic. Like these are guys who have fit really well. Yeah. And, you know, they've got two very good goalies, one of whom I imagine will get traded, but it's like, you know, they, like I said, I don't know if they need, like, from the top of the ownership group, if they just need a total internal, you know, C-level executive rebuild. I don't know, but it's very peculiar because, like I said, the, the list of players that I provided, you know, that's going back multiple GMs. And I didn't, and I failed to mention jeff carter in that list as well oh no there you go jack jack roslevic the one guy who wanted to go to columbus maybe that's who they need to rally around maybe but i mean the, and maybe that's all it takes right um but that's, that's what i mean they need, yeah. they need something to grab on and hold on to like i just i feel really bad so i in in that respect i I hope Brad Larson succeeds in columbus and then loses loses in the cup finals to the sharks but I, I mean, they—they they just. I feel so bad for that market. All right, so let's talk some sharks because we've been talking for an hour, and <laughs> we're the worst sharks podcast ever. Um, let's talk some sharks. Uh, Jonathan Dolan. Um, rumors were that he was that he had signed a deal. Doesn't sound like anything's set in stone yet. Um, you know, Jonathan Dolan, I think, is a guy that could help the sharks. Uh, if they can get him here, I think he's a guy that I, I don't know where, where are you guys at on Jonathan Dolan? Like, I feel like he's a guy that you throw, like if he wants the one way deal, you give him the one way deal and see what happens. Don't give him a long one, but give him a one way deal and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, where are you guys at with Jonathan Dolan at this point? Jerk, go ahead before I rant. Oh, <laughs> the skill is very tantalizing. The attitude I'm not so sure because, and it's long documented, especially on this podcast, you know, he, he has, he has his little game. He wants to play where he says NHL, or I'm going back to Sweden. And it's like, okay, fine. Go back to Sweden. So he goes back. And then last year, the Sharks say, Hey buddy, we got an NHL spot for you. Oh, sorry. I'd rather play in the second tier Swedish league. Like, okay, fine. Whatever. And then uh, Timura, they promote to the SHL. Oh, congratulations. Big accomplishment. You ready to come over? And like, yeah, maybe he signs a one-way contract. But I have this sneaking suspicion that he's going to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, getting Timura to the SHL, that was my goal. So I'm just going to stay here. But and it was. Yeah, like, and, and that I, actually was a huge reason why Dolan stayed with Team Row last year was and, and didn't come over was because his mission was to get Team Row promoted back into the SHL. And but what you're saying is why now that they're there, why leave? Yeah, see how far they can go in the SHL. You know, 
He was the leading scorer in the league, I think, in yep, the Allsvenskan last year yep. and tore and, it up, or this year. I think last year, too, to be honest. Yeah, and MVP of the Allsvenskan playoffs as well. There you go. But, like, my problem with Dahlin, like, I, I respect the home the hometown factor. Like, I, <laughs> I have no problem with that. The problem that I have is the whole... I don't want to play with Utica because I'm an NHLer. Really? Because your 12 goals say otherwise. You know, <laughs> I don't want to play for the Barracuda because I should be in the NHL. Then why were you a healthy scratch in the playoffs for the Barracuda? You know, like this. Something's got to give with Dolan. And I, I don't mind if he does stay another year in the SHL because for me, I want him to prove that he can put up the points in a top league because he didn't in the AHL. He hasn't played at all in the NHL. And as far as I'm aware, he's never played in the SHL. And if he did, it was when Team Row was getting relegated. So show show me something. He's got the tools. He really does. And I got to think somewhere in that, that brain of his, he's got some of his dad's moxie because Alf Dahlin, the heart and soul player, loved him as a shark. You know, one of my first favorite players is a shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, always just intense and hard to play against and put up points. And I don't see any of that besides the points in Jonathan's game. So he's got to show that he can actually contribute at a top level of hockey. And so, so even as an Allsvenskan MVP, great. Mm-hmm. That just says to me, cool, you should be able to hang in the AHL. And he didn't even do that. So whenever I get questions about jo- Jonathan Dolan, that's why I get really defensive because he's he, he's just frustrating to me. Like, show me something. Uh, show, show me you can be more than Noah Road, please. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, if, if he... If Jonathan Dolan were to come out and say, look, you know, I'm more of a homebody. I feel homesick. I want to be in Sweden. Hey, whatever, dude. Go do your thing. Go do your thing. But to be, but to say, I want to be in the NHL. And then an NHL opportunity comes in front of you and you say, oh, well, just kidding. Like, no, dude. Like, you can have all the talent in the world and still be like a douche. Yeah. That's my take. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to him coming here, and I think it's going to be really. Oh, me neither. I, Don't get me wrong. No, me neither. <laughs> no. And right now, because because the Sharks need any offense they can get, right. Dolan can get an NHL roster spot. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I I think again, like I I I I do worry a little bit about his Twitter foot game, but that's you know again the Sharks need goals. Yeah. The Sharks need goals, and they couldn't buy goals at times last year. Um, I like he's really talented. I I think. You know, does he? I hope he comes. I mean, it'll be. I think what'll be really telling is if he hasn't signed a contract by the expansion draft. The expansion draft's going to tell us if he's coming or not. Because mm-hmm. if you're the Sharks and he's coming, then you're going to protect him. He will be one of the forwards that you protect. And if they don't protect him, he's not coming. That is, it. It could be as simple as that. I, you know, I, I think that's that's when we're going to find out if he doesn't sign before that. Which, you know, apparently there's talks going on, but I don't know where those talks are. So I, I think if if we don't hear anything about Jonathan Dolan, I think the expansion draft's gonna tell us a lot. 
because I, I think if he's coming, you protect, you absolutely protect him because even, even with his issues, he's probably your most NHL ready prospect in your system right now. Like he's still, he's still in the top tier of the Sharks prospect pool. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I like what you said too, where you're worried about his 200 foot game, but at the same time, the Sharks need goals and Eagles, you know, yeah, and and that's something you know. I'm gonna borrow a phrase here from from Ray Ferraro, obviously. You know, but he one of the things he always says is like, I don't care about hit this specific players. I don't care about your 200 foot game. I care about your 85 foot game in the offensive zone. Yep, absolutely. You know, and if you're and if you're gonna if you can put up 30 goals in the NHL, well, we'll shelter you. We'll start. We'll have all your faceoffs in the offensive zone. You won't kill penalties and. Right. Have it be the end of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you're talking, Ian, about Jonathan Dolan, whether or not the Sharks uh, protect him in the expansion draft. Now, right now, I I actually do have him on my list. Despite everything that I complained about with him, I think there's enough talent there because I was really high on him as drafter. Mm -hmm. So I think the talent is there. And I would protect him. But I think your point is spot on about if the Sharks don't protect him. He's not coming. He has no future in this organization. No, absolutely not. Because to me, that says he's not coming. Because I feel like if you even if you're Seattle and you're looking at who the Sharks are going to put up in the expansion draft, which is going to be nothing. Like, I know some people are like, oh, they're going to put Burns up trying to check. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. Your your, your choices are going to be Shimmick, Gambrell, Donato. Or Alex True. Or Alex True. And if you throw if you throw Jonathan Dolan in there, maybe he never comes. But you know what? If I'm Seattle, you're not you're, – you're taking 30 guys for a 23-man roster. I'm absolutely taking Jonathan Dolan in the expansion draft. Why? Because maybe he never comes, but I still have his rights. Yeah. I can qualify him and maintain and, you know, I keep his rights and, you know, maybe I get him to come. Maybe I don't, but I'm not getting anything from the Sharks anyway. So what do I care? Like that's, that's the play. If you're Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would agree with that. And I, <laughs> to your point, Ian, you know, Seattle's going to get not a whole lot from the Sharks. The Sharks picked a pretty good year to be bad. Um, <laughs> Sharks have managed to do this twice. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, it, it's funny because, you know, all the flack that Dylan Gambrell gets. Mm-hmm. And let's say the Sharks sign him to an ex- an extension so that he can be one of the forwards they expose to Seattle. And let's say he get, comes to Seattle. You know how much revisionist history there's gonna be like oh well you know gambrell really locked it down when we needed it most and it's like okay like get real you know <laughs> i i would the sharks, not don't, the sharks just don't have enough players like the the reason why i protect dolan ultimately besides just the talent is there is the sharks don't have enough players for me to consider it would be a loss if we lost this forward uh, you know Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Donato has some talent. I'm not super big on him. Um, I think he's a, a 20 games and, and then nothing else type player. Um, he's done that in three different organizations. But like, if they protect Ryan Donato, fine. There's there's something there. 
Um, but like Alex True, I like, but I'm not going to be crying over Alex True getting picked. And I don't think he's going to get picked anyway. Right. You know, so Shimmick has got injury history, so I'm not going to be crying not about a him. Huge ticket, but it's a decent ticket for a guy with his injury history. Right, right, exactly. By the way, um, for those of you who have given up on the Colorado and Vegas game and are just tuning in to us, we're talking about Jonathan Dolan and the Sharks. Uh, a little bit about the Sharks expansion draft uh, future here, but uh, thanks for, for jumping on because we know it's looking pretty bleak out there uh, watching TV right now. But thanks for joining on. I, I'm I'm really happy that the one thing I got right in this round was Vegas. That makes me feel great. <laughs> Stupid Vegas. I'm feeling less bad about uh, not picking Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay versus Colorado for my cup finals, although I did pick Tampa Bay versus Washington, so I'm still not doing any better, to be honest. There you go. Well, and I was in good shape. You know, coming out of the first round, I was seven for eight. I was right. in good shape. Yeah, then, I know. We heard about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Montreal torpedoed my bracket. Um, uh, who else? Somebody, I don't know. My bracket, I think my bracket is still pretty intact in the, you know, air quotes, Eastern Conference. Um, but yeah, Montreal torpedoed my bracket and then Vegas just torpedoed the other side of it. So, you know, no longer will we see a Tampa, Colorado Stanley Cup final. I'm sorry. Yeah, Tampa Tampa know. nuked my uh, my one side, but uh, I, I have Vegas in the cup final, and I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. Well, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah what, do you you of, what do you guys expect out of Vegas, Montreal? Because I, I expect a bloodbath, and it's not that, you know, I think oh, no, Montreal's going to win the cup. Montreal's going to win the cup, and we're going to have <laughs> a bunch of teams that are just bits and pieces cobbled together with good goaltenders, and that's the future of the NHL. Dude, $5 million, Brett Kulak. I said it earlier. Yeah, for, for Toronto next year. That's right. We're, we're recapping for those of you who jumped on with us here, uh, what we talked about earlier. But but um, isn't it feel weird, though? Vegas and Montreal, it, it, not a cup final. Like, yeah, the, the, in the Western Conference final. In it's, the Western Conference You know, final. it's in the Western Conference final, the furthest, one of the furthest Eastern teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just the semifinal, right? So maybe yeah. maybe it's just the cynic in me, but I'm kind of excited that Montreal fans are now going to have to put up with Vegas fans because I would just I want more markets to realize how intolerable Vegas fans are. Those are two very intolerable markets. I uh, exactly. Exactly. Can you imagine the war of words between those two markets. And then I, I think it'll go a long way with making the rest of the country or the countries that North America right. realize how insufferable Vegas fans are. And I, I was full on about Vegas when they started and I've completely flipped the 180, not because the sharks in the Vegas play. I just, their fans drive me nuts. So. Absolutely. Um, I know we're running long because we always run long, but um, we have to get to the draft because obviously the draft is a big deal. I said we'd talk about the draft. We're going to run super long now because 
I'm not going to let the people down. I'm a man of the people. I'm not going to let people down. Um, I will say this though, before we, before we move on to the draft, um, me and puck guy at some point, we'll sit down and do our next round prognostications. Uh, so keep an eye out for that on this channel. Um, I, if I'm allowed to, I don't know. I've predicted five series, right? Or six series, right? This whole playoff. So maybe, maybe I should stand aside, but we'll see what happens. Um, the draft. Okay. So obviously we had the draft lottery. Um, we had a reaction show to that. Also, if you want to go back and check that out, I had a good rant there. Um, because somehow awesome. I always seem to rant, um, when me and puck guy are on, I don't know what it is. Puck guy makes me rant. No, he doesn't. He's right. Um, <laughs> But if you want to go back and check that out on the on the channel, obviously on the uh, audio streams and everything else. Um, and again, we appreciate everyone being on. We appreciate the uh, 17 likes, the one dislike. I know not enough sharks talk. That's fine. I'll, I, I will make this better. Um, let's talk about the draft. The sharks are selecting seventh uh, overall. Um, obviously, I think that's a good place. I mean that um, they didn't move back, and I think for me, like obviously moving up would have been fantastic, but moving back was the nightmare scenario for me, right? Because I feel like there's a there's a really good group of guys um, where the sharks are going to pick that are going to be available. I have no idea what order anyone's going in. Like this draft is complete uh, a mind to me. Like I've I've been trying to go through and try and like try and figure out what teams are going to do what before the sharks to try and figure out who the sharks are going to take. And I have no idea who the sharks are going to take because I have no idea who's going to be on the board. Um, I, you know, I, I'll start with this question. Do you think the sharks pick at seven or do they trade back? Sure. I, I think it depends on what's available. Cause I, and I know <laughs> I can already picture the chat, you know, it's going to be, uh, pitchforks and torches. No, you can't trade another first round pick. And I'm not saying that it should be traded outright, but if uh you know, if the Sharks identify some kind of forward that can help out their depth, maybe maybe you make that move. And that's not to say obviously you're not going to get somebody if I'm comparing to previous Sharks deals, you're not trading 7th overall for Evander Kane. Right. But say a player like Evander Kane became available, let's just say for argument's sake, if the Sharks dangled number seven, I could see, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll give you Evander Kane, and what do you want, pick 46? Okay, you know, not obviously the real Evander Kane, Evander Kane placeholder in this case. Like, you know, I, I could see something like that happen where you move back and you pick up something that you can use right here, right now, because say what you want about where the Sharks are. They're a right now team. Whether or not they can win right now is another conversation. But in terms of trying to compete, emphasis on trying, they're a right now team. And that's not to say that they're going to torpedo all of their future assets elsewhere. But like I said, if a team comes to you and says, hey, we'll give you a young-ish NHL ready forward and something else for number seven, I think the Sharks should take a look at that. I think it depends on where, what, you know, the Sharks always have a, a player that they have their eye on. Mm-hmm. Like they, 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 they target someone and they, they tend to stick to that. Um, so we, we know that they may not necessarily go for what a lot of people with the masses consider the best player on the board, but they, they pick a guy in the ballpark and then they, they shoot for that. Um, so I think it depends on whether the sharks are 
looking at a forward or a goaltender because I can't, I mean, sorry, a defenseman or a goaltender because I think the Sharks would be fine generate uh, uh, drafting a top level forward because I think there's still lacking that. Bortolo is great and all, but I still think Port- Bortolo projects as a second line forward. Sharks need a first line forward. They need a, a future defenseman that's can can do everything mm-hmm. especially defend um they need a goalie of the future i still think um so like going down the goalie avenue i can't remember his name i know his first name's yes uh wallstead he plays for brinus in sweden mm-hmm. Jesper wallstead is the the number one goalie or at least projected number one goalie in this draft i think he'd be great for the sharks not at seven so if that's the type of player, that's that's the player that the Sharks are aiming for, I think the Sharks absolutely consider trading down to a, a, a more adequate area that you expect Wallstead to go. And then maybe you pick up a second round pick and a, a, another something else, you know, with that. And, and you move down. Um, I... If the Shark... If someone slips... I don't think the Sharks are the type of team to take the player who slips. So I think they're gonna they're either gonna they're either gonna trade or they're gonna reach a little bit with their their seventh overall pick. So we'll see. Well, and and the thing that I always say, especially especially around draft time, but also especially when we talk about if a team is moving down, I always say. Um, to keep an eye on the teams that have multiple first round picks. Oh, Detroit Detroit is picking at 6 and 24. Columbus is picking at 5 23 and as it stands right now 29 obviously that'll wow most likely change. Minnesota is picking at 25 and 22. New Jersey's picking at 20 and 4. So those teams I mentioned, especially those teams between 20 and 30, which is, you know, all of them, uh, if, say one of those teams is like, hey, yeah, okay, hello, I'm Columbus. We'll give you 29 and something for seven. I could see that also be a play because you stay in the first round and you also get something, again, that right. you can is a young asset but is also an asset that is – NHL ready right now and you know I don't know who that is on Columbus but like something like that is what I think would happen if the Sharks do entertain trading that pick I don't think we're going to see a situation where it's just the pick is traded outright unless and I know there's been a lot of chatter about it but what Mm -hmm. if you know what if Buffalo gives San Jose a call and says hey we don't really want Sam Reinhardt anymore I would strongly look into that. I thought Just you were going to go down the Eichel road to which No, I, would... I, I I wouldn't do that because my head's not in the sandbox. Sure. No. But uh, what I was going to say is every time I've said, no, 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 no the Sharks aren't getting Eric Carlson. No, 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 no don't, the, the Sharks, <laughs> you're being stupid. They're not getting a Vander Kate. And then they go do it anyway. Doug Wilson makes it happen. So I remember Brian Lawton a couple of weeks ago said Doug Wilson is the best GM at being able to sell ice to an Eskimo. Right. Like, so I don't, as much as I roll my eyes at the Jack Eichel to San Jose stuff, 
I guess I can't rule that out. But uh, the Sam Reinhart one—that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting play. Do would you? The Sharks could use a player like Sam Reinhart. Do you think that they can use Sam Reinhart more than a seventh overall pick, though? The way I don't know. The way I would look at it, and again, this is based on the idea that whether whether or not they can make the playoffs or win the Stanley Cup now is their time that they're going to try. Not saying they will, but they're going to try. And I think, I mean, you could have a 60-point guy right now or you could have a 60-point guy in, in, you know, two to five years. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because otherwise, why is Burns here? Why is Carlson here? Why is Kane here? Mm -hmm. Tour. It's a good point. It's it's and, and, it's and, a really and, good point actually because I I agree like and it's something I I I I think it's something I think like when I when I posed the question I was more thinking of like is he does he move back to twelve you know like I wasn't thinking of like <laughs> yeah. right like, like I I didn't consider the the idea but I mean if you're the sharks I you know like I don't disagree with you at the same time like this is a team that kind of needs to do something like it kind of needs to go for except what it's built to do and that would go along with the messaging that we've gotten from doug wilson do i think that's the route they should go no but could they go that route and it would make sense to me yeah i wouldn't like it but it would make sense like i could under i could follow along and you know um and and figure out where we all are in the script but yeah i don't know um and 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 something I want to say as well, like I know they're like they're se- and rightfully so, but there seems to be a lot of trepidation for Sharks fans when it comes to trading for assets of stature, if mm-hmm. you will. But here's the thing about Sam Reinhardt: he's not a bag of bones. He's 25 no, for sure. Oh, absolutely. He's younger. He's younger than me, and like I'm the token young guy on this podcast. So it certainly isn't me. You know what I mean? So it's like he's 25. Like I think if if this is the route the Sharks are taking, I think that's where they got to go. It's it's an interesting thought and it's something that I didn't consider even for a second. Um and I'm I'm not prepared how to respond other than that's it's a good shout. Like it's it's something that I didn't consider and it's probably something I should have considered because I agree the contracts that are here aren't going anywhere. If you're Doug Wilson, you know, uh, and you're trying to save your job, which I think at some point his job has to come into question at some point if the Sharks continue on their current trajectory. Like he can't be, you know, have have a nice cool seat forever. Right. Um, and and, you know, I I agree with, you know, I see in the chat, you know, no more trading draft picks. And I do agree with that. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like if you're trading away a first round pick for somebody who's 25, that's almost the same as just drafting a guy and waiting for them to be ready. You're just accelerating the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. That's the thing <laughs> is if you're, if you're, if you're trying to get a player like Sam Reinhardt, we're arbitrarily, arbitrarily still using his name. Right. If you're trying to trade or if you're trying to draft a player like Sam Reinhardt, when you can get the actual Sam Reinhardt, why not? Yeah. yeah, like no, I, why, why not jump for now? I, I agree. Um, I, to answer a question in the chat and just kind of going with what um, about um, Wallstat, I 
to me, I'm super like I really, really, really don't want the sharks to draft Wallstat because one, okay. goalies are voodoo, and 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 I'm not I'm not saying like, look at I under, like I think I think you can still do well in the later rounds with a goalie. I get nervous about Wallstat for a couple of reasons. Wallstat played on a really, really good team. Oh, uh, so we're going the Melnichuk route then. Yeah, so that gives you concern. Also, the, you, if you're like, see, to me, a team that I think should take a long look at Wallstat would be a team like Detroit, a team that is picked in the top 10 multiple times in the last years. Like, I feel like that's where you can go out and say, yeah, I'll take a goalie because you've already gotten other chips. I think when your prospect pool is the bag of bones that the Sharks is, you need players. And goalies are the, like, goalies are voodoo. It's the biggest gamble. I, I mean, yes, you, you can take another player and that could be a gamble too. But to me, like, goaltending is just the biggest gamble because you have less than no idea how it's going to turn out. Because we've seen goalies come in, flash in the pan, and then completely fall off. Like, high, you know, top-rated goalies. Like, you look at a guy like, you know, um, Eric Comrie's a great example. A guy who everyone was super high on, never amounted to anything. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want Zach, Fu- Zach Fucali comes to mind as Zach well. Zach Fucali, right. Like, there's just things that are with goalies where I just, I get really nervous. I feel like if you've drafted in the top 10 multiple years, I feel like then you can take a goalie. Like, if I'm Detroit... I'd probably take a good look at Wallstat because I've already drafted a bunch of top 10 players. So I have mm-hmm. the foundation, you know, and, and Detroit, you know, with, under Steve Eiserman, they're, they're going to do big things with that prospect pool. And it's going to be, it's going to be solid because if we have Tampa to go by the model, we know what he did in Tampa. It's only going to be a matter of time till he repeats that in Detroit. I just, I, I don't know. To me, I feel like it's your first top 10 pick in, you know, since what, 2015, Mm-hmm. Like that's, you, I I don't know I I I, do, I want a little more of a sure thing. And I feel like you can address goaltending in a ton of different ways. You can address it in free agency. You can take goaltenders later in the draft. Like I just, I I, some of the players that might be available here, like I'd be just really disappointed if if Wallstat went over over a couple of them. Sure. Well, yeah. I think I think seven is way too high for for Wallstat, but I do worry a little bit, and, and and it's been almost twenty years now. But like with Mark Andre Fleury projecting to take Vegas to the Stanley Cup final, here he was a first overall pick. Uh, that's obviously rare, but I wonder if that starts putting the seed back into some teams like. Hey, maybe it's okay to draft a goalie that high because the recent trend has been. Do not draft a goalie in the first round unless it's Thatcher, or unless it's uh, Spencer, Spencer Knight or mm-hmm. Askov. Like I, just, I don't like it that high either. Like, and yeah, I, I, I know like we can use recency bias for Mark Andre Fleury, but there was a stretch where Mark Andre Fleury like single handedly took the Penguins out of the playoffs for multiple years <laughs> yeah. in a row. Oh like, yeah, well, that's and the this thing. Is forgotten now because of what he is, but there was there was a stretch where where Mark Andre Fleury single handedly took the Penguins out of the playoffs. Yeah. He did. He was not good his first few years in the league. Yeah, but even like those middle years, like like to Ian's point, like I I how many times I know twenty thirteen comes to mind. Um, obviously twenty sixteen as well. But how many times in the play- he lost the net at one point to Thomas Vokun, who was like, you know, yep. years past his his 
you know best before date for sure yeah like it's it, like but, it's like when but i'm like oh yeah tomas Vukud was on pittsburgh for a little bit <laughs> yeah and and you're you, you talk about you know goalies are voodoo especially in the first round like you look back in history like oh for every andre vasilevsky mm-hmm. the Malcolm suban you know yep. for <laughs> You know, for every Spencer Knight or Askarov, as you're as you mentioned before, you know, there's like Jack Campbell, exactly Jack Campbell. You know, then and you say, oh, okay, well, Thatcher Demko is really good, and it's like, yeah, okay, well, it's not always going to happen. It's very rare. Yeah, not even the first round, but like, look at second round picks. Since you mentioned Zach Fukali. You know who was taken two rounds later? At least, I, I, if I remember, it's two rounds later than Zach Fukali. UC Saros, who we talked about earlier. Right, yeah. Um, Alex Nedeljkovic led Carolina to the second round of the playoffs this year. You know who the projected top goalies were that year? Not on my board. I had Nedeljkovic as my top goalie. But <laughs> projected? Mason McDonald and Evan Fitzpatrick. Right. Who and who? right. So, yeah, sometimes it it helps to wait. You don't necessarily need to use a first or even a second round pick on a goalie. Uh, But if you're the Sharks, you cannot use a third round pick on a goalie. No, No. you just should trade all your third round picks away. And and, and this and, you know, this is obviously a bit more of a recency bias. And but like even guys lately who've come up like you look at Jeremy Swayman with Boston 111th overall. Yeah, like because goalies are voodoo, as we've talked about for the mm-hmm. last 15 minutes, you can get away with getting very good players very late. OK, so who I mean, like I said, I don't I've been trying to set my board and I oh, this has been just a weird like for one, I've had to do a ton of work in the past week to just get a board <laughs> because like. And I, I don't want to like make this sound terrible because like obviously this year has been awful for a lot of reasons and it's been probably more awful for other people than it's been for me. Like, oh no, there was no junior hockey. Boohoo, poor Ian. Like I, I appreciate that. Like comparatively, I probably have it better than other people. But like I was just so over not like Sharks hockey. So like this past week because everyone's like, oh, TTG's going back. You guys got to talk about the draft. I'm like, oh crap, I have to actually do work now. And boy, did I do the work. Um so I guess my next You're question, better than me, bud. <laughs> my next question is, is so obviously I don't know who's going to be gone. Like, I feel like powers veneers, like those guys are probably gone. There's a couple of other guys I think are probably gone. Um, let me bring up my thing here. Um, da, 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 da. Like, okay. So I feel like this reminds me of 2015. Cause there's a lot of defensemen I really like in this draft. And I feel like they're all going to be gone by the time the sharks pick. You think um, Hughes will be gone by the time the Sharks pick? He could be. Okay. I would you be shocked if the Devils took him? No, no I really, I really wouldn't. And I haven't, I haven't done the work yet. Uh, I'm still waiting for more lists to come out here. And this is going to be kind of also in line with the, the goaltending about. Yeah, do you take Wallstead? Do you drop whatever? This is going to be just an overall hard draft to gauge because mm-hmm. of the lack of games being played. Like you said, no juniors and stuff. So, um, no, I, to, I don't think it would be a surprise if the Devils took Hughes. But I also. Uh, 
I don't know. I think that there's enough chatter about Ben because I love Ben Ears, mm-hmm. uh, Grimther, uh, Power. Um, I've heard a little rumblings about Eklund. I don't know if he's he's up there. Um, but oh, Eklund's top of my board. We'll get there though. I was, there you yeah, go. See, just, so so uh, I think Hughes could drop, but I'll let you. Uh, yeah so like here's my here's what i have right now i feel are are definitely going to be gone i feel like simon edmonton is going to be gone because there's no way a defenseman that size yeah doesn't get taken high yeah 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 yeah. right um i have hughes gone i have been years gone i have power gone i don't and that's the weird thing right because i can't like this draft i just cannot figure out where guys are gonna go but I feel like those are the likely gone. So they're not those four guys are uh, Hughes, Veneers, Power, and Edvinson aren't on my board at all. Um, I kind of think Brant Clark's going to be gone, but he's a guy that I'd really like too. But I have, I just, I feel like he's probably he's he could be gone as well. Yeah. Um. So like, the guy I really like. So here's my top three right now. If I had like. And again, these guys could all be off the board. Ben Ears is a forward, for example. Right. Um, So this is what I have. Um, I'm I'm not 100% that Clark's going to be gone. So he's number two on my board. I really like Brent Clark. William Eklund's the guy that I would like at seven. Yeah, same. I'm terrified that he won't get to it. Like, he won't fall that far. Okay. Um, Yeah. You know, where's my notes here? Um, I'm all over the place here. Real real quick. I because I don't have much to say on the subject. I have as much work to do as everybody else here. But I will say, the the preliminary looking at various lists and research that I've done, I, I'm with Ian. Like I, I'm really hoping that William Eklund can tumble down to seven. Um, I just look the thing that sounds. I mean, he's you know, very like just hardworking player. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, he seems like one of those guys where it's like. He's young, but he knows where he needs to be at all times. And the fact that he, I mean, 23 points in 40 games as an 18-year-old in the SHL. Like, how many many 18-year-olds do you see, like, barely do anything in the All-Svenskin? And he's already in the SHL. Right. Yeah, and I was going to, I do have that in my notes. Like, it's like, well, everyone's excited about, you know, 23 year old Dolan leading the, the Svenskin in, in, in scoring. Like, again, this is a guy 18 years old in the top tier league, you know, 11 goals, 12 assists, um, you know, and the comparables, like, and I, and I know NHL comparables is, it's not really a great game, but like, in different, like, I've, in all the reading that I've done on him, um, like, I've seen him compared to guys like Zetterberg. Sebastian Ajo, Nick Ehlers, like that doesn't offend me. <laughs> like I, the Sharks could use any one of those players. Like obviously, and again, I'm not saying that he's going to be Henrik Zetterberg or Sebastian Ajo or Nick Ehlers, but I mean, if you know, to compare him to those types of players, like those are definitely players the Sharks could absolutely use. And and that's where so i mean he's a he's a smaller forward for yes. for those who aren't aware and but i think you are aware that the sharks drafted a lot of small forwards last year mm-hmm. so in that respect Ackland's not something they don't already have in terms of size cuz i do think they need to get bigger up front 
But when you have a player with the talent in the mind of Eklund, even though I'd still like to see the Sharks draft a defenseman, you, you don't pass up on, on a forward uh, of that magnitude. And that's that's where I was kind of going earlier with, I worry about the Sharks uh, scouting staff getting kind of tunnel vision about mm-hmm. a player. Maybe Eklund's there. But I worry about them already identifying another player and be like, oh, Eklund's cool. Like Cam Fowler, all the Cam Fowler was projected to be, I think, a top five pick that year. And was that the year the Sharks last had a top 10 ish pick? Was that that wasn't Cam Fowler's year? It was um, it was it was the McDavid draft. Okay, all right. But I, I just I remember the number of teams who passed on Cam Fowler because. They had already moved on to someone else, not expecting him to be there. And then the Ducks lucked out and got him. And I, I worry about the Sharks falling into that mindset if Eklund does fall to to seven. Yeah, and, and he might not. Like, there, there's there's two teams that would make me very nervous that would that I'm worried about selecting them. One is the Ducks, but I, I just I think three's high. But maybe it isn't, again, because yeah. this draft is weird. Yeah. And I just, I have a hard time. This is where I get nervous is, does he get past Detroit? Especially uh, when they drafted Lucas Raymond last year. And, you know, they, they, they like to keep their countrymen together with the Russian five. And then they got a bunch of Swedes with Franzen and Zetterberg. And uh, a couple guys are slipping on my, my head. But I know they went Sweden hard for a while. And now... They got Raymond last year, and I think they got another Swede last year too. So yeah, I could I, see that happening. I mean, there's a lot to like, you know, super high hockey IQ, which is always a good thing, you know, just creative, super creative with it. Like, I just feel like he's a guy that I feel like, you know, like he's a guy that they, I feel like the Sharks could use, right? Like, yes. Um, number two on my board is Brant Clark. And again, both these guys could be gone when the Sharks pick, and that's some nightmare fuel. Um, <laughs> Cause then it gets really, you know, really shifty. Uh, Brent Clark's the second on my list. You know, he's another guy who I really, really like two way defenseman, um, you know, shifty, really shifty player. Another guy who, you know, because of the OHL not playing, went and played with men over, I believe it was in, oh crap. I had this written down. I don't remember. Was it Slovakia? Maybe he played in Brent Clark. Yeah. Uh, I know he played in the men's league this year for a few games because, uh, and he really came on near the end. Um, and you know, uh, again, I, I just, I think the sharks need more guys that are better at creating because I feel like they've got a lot of guys that can put the puck in the net, but they don't have and And again, you know, are any of these guys going to be in the NHL next year? Probably not. That's fine. But I feel like, you know, the Sharks do need some more guys that can create. They've got a lot of guys that can finish. Don't have a lot, especially in the forward side. I mean, obviously this is a defenseman. But at some point, you can't keep Burns and Carlson forever. You're going to need a newer, you know, option there. And I feel like Brant Clark, by the time you probably move on from Burns, because it'll probably be Burns as the guy that you move on from, because Carlson would be the much harder guy to move, having a guy like Brent Clark step in, perfect. And if you've listened to me at all, 
don't think about Ryan Merkley. You got to think about someone other than Ryan Merkley to be stepping in and making, you know, pairing up with Mario Ferraro down the line. So Slovakia. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Vince. Um, it was. Yeah. Uh, and my number three on my board is Dylan Gunther. Um, I've seen, Gunther I think play. he goes high. Yeah, and he might again because I don't know. Like this draft is so weird. I think I think Powers Benier is one two, but after that, throw darts. Yeah, right. Um, I, again, I'm not sure. Like he he might he might not. I, I mean, there's gonna be. I feel like no matter what happens, the Sharks are gonna get a decent player here. I mean, these are the three that I like the most from the right from the reading I've done from the videos I've watched. Um. You know, again, um, I think I think Craig Button compares him to TJ Oshie, um, which I think is a decent compar- comparison for what I've seen from Dylan Gunther. Um, also, the Sharks need some guys that can play the right side of the ice. <laughs> like, and That's I know just... you don't want to draft, like, you want to draft the best player available. You don't necessarily want to draft by position, but um that's you know the right side of the ice is a weakness the sharks have now does does dylan gunther um is he going to address that right away no but i i don't think he's like i don't think he's far off either like i don't think he's a three or four year project right like maybe he plays another year of junior and then comes in maybe 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 plays out as junior but i think when he finally makes that jump he's a guy that could jump right into the NHL and, you know, be one of these guys that, that maybe he spends, maybe, you know, maybe he spends 20 games with the CUDA just to get acclimated and then jumps and, up, right? And and that fits the Sharks' MO. I mean, how many times, you know, have the Sharks supposedly rushed players? You know, Couture had a cup of coffee, got called up. Pavelski had a cup of coffee, got called up. Hurdle didn't even play in the AHL. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Sharks tend to the sharks don't mind sitting on players when they're in juniors but when they turn pro they don't like letting them saturate in the ahl too long which i you know the the longtime viewers know i don't necessarily agree with Mm -hmm. but to what you're talking about ian gunther kind of does fit that same kind of mindset that the sharks have had yeah um Burge asked a great question. He's like, when you guys say create, do you mean guys that can stick handle or guys that can pass or speed guys? Um, when I say create, I mean, guys that obviously can, they can obviously protect the puck, but, but they can make plays like they, they see the, you know, they see the ice well. they're going to be able to, they can pass, but they can also, you know, they can also take the puck to the net if they need to, but they can also, you know, hold the puck and not give up the puck under pressure in order to make a play in order to, you know, keep a cycle going. Um, as, as people say, create something out of nothing. Like the right. sharks need, the sharks need players who, if if it's one on two, it's not dump and or or you know hang on and then wait to make a pass. It's well, you know, I got to do it myself. You know, yeah. they need they need players who just don't care about the situation that, that uh, they're presented with. They're just going to try and create offense anyway, no matter what the situation is. So yeah, I, I, I have, a, I have a few guys that are um, later on in the works. I saw, um, so there's a couple of guys where I feel like if, if the nightmare scenario and all these guys are off the board, um, these are guys I need to do a little more reading on 
um, but they're guys that that do pique my interest. Um, one is Mason McTavish. Um, I like what I, I have seen Mason McTavish play a bunch, um, and I feel like he's a, he's a good center. I feel like he has skills that should translate to the NHL. Um, he also I don't know, but him and Ryan Merkley have beef, so I don't know if that's squashed or not. Perfect. Um, um, another guy is, um, Kent Johnson uh, and he's a guy that's, I, I've on a lot of mocks. It seems like he goes in, in the shark's nick of the woods. Yeah. I like Kent Johnson. I just, I don't know if he's a center in the NHL. That's my only real concern mm. there. I like the player. I just don't know if he's an NHL center, which is okay. fine. Um, and then if you go like a little bit more off the board, I wonder if the sharks look at a guy like, um, like Chaz Lucius, um, is a guy I wonder if the sharks look at, they, you know, he's a guy who is pretty good in the dot. Obviously he had, um, he had a knee injury that he came back from this year, but the sharks do like looking at the national development team program. Um, and he's a guy who did have a slow start because he was coming off an injury, uh, to his knee, I believe. And I know that makes people concerned, but yeah. I wonder if, you know, if, the sharks traded back for example i wonder if he's a guy that they would look at and even though he's even though he's a center he's right-handed so you can throw him on the right side of the ice that's the other thing too yeah (laughs) yeah so i wonder i wonder about that um and then i think another guy let me see my list here and i think another guy i'm i'm curious about and i need to do a little more digging into because i wanted to have like my points done for like the the the, the three names that I talked about, but I, uh, a guy like Fabian Lysel, I wonder if they look at as well. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, we'll probably talk more about some of these guys uh, as we go forward, but that is my thoughts. Is there any guys that like you guys are super excited about in the draft um, that you would be really angry if they were on the board and the sharks passed on? I think most of the guys that you mentioned at the top of your board if the if the sharks passed on while the uh, while they're available because they again got tunnel vision, I I would have a problem with that. I mean, it was because especially right now, I'm especially salty about the sharks not taking Miko Rantanen, seeing what Rantanen did for Colorado in the playoffs this year, not taking Rantanen when he was the guy that I wholeheartedly believed should have been drafted in that spot, even though I like Timo Meyer. Um, so I really would have a hard time if the, if the Sharks were to pass on someone because they went for the, the guy, you know, their targeted player mm-hmm. when someone else is available. Um, Jerk, do you have any? I, I have something else to add, not quite relating to that, but still draft specific. Jerk, did you have any players in mind? No, like I said, you know, with because of where the sharks are picking you know it, it, it's less of a less of a crowded area if you will you know there's only really a handful of guys that are going to be available and like i said you know before i truthfully there is a lot more homework i need to do but like i said just based on initial research <laughs> you know i i don't know i don't want to tag eckland as this year's you know hashtag could have had but you know, like I said before, he's a guy I'm hoping slips to where the Sharks are just based on the offensive talent he's already shown in, you know, the men's league in Sweden. But yep. that that's kind of the the um the cart I want to hitch my my wagon to or my horse to rather and and just hope it all works out. 
I'm cool with that. Yeah, so you mentioned draft position, and that's kind of where I wanted to bring it back to you guys since, you know, the last time I saw you, Ian, was on the the lottery show. Mm -hmm. And you and I were both – I was in the chat. You were on the show. We were both in agreement about I think Sharks fans really should not be upset that the Sharks are picking seventh because there's going to be a talented player there. As long as the Sharks take that player – there's going to be a talented player there. I think the big win is that LA did not move up. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, that's uh, a feel. Yeah, because you know, I I was hearing people upset. Oh, Seattle won the second overall pick, and it's like, well, Seattle and Anaheim, unless another team moved up, they were destined to both be top three teams anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I, for me, it might sound harsh. I don't care. but i I do care that la did not jump the sharks in in this draft and especially given what came out earlier this week that la is looking to acquire a top six forward their main goal of this offseason is to acquire a top six forward and to me that screams they are trading the eighth pick could you imagine if the shark, if if the Kings had moved up, maybe got second or something, and then traded traded that pick, the type of player that the Kings could get, you know, and then that also bumps the Sharks down one more spot, and maybe maybe because of the 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 fluidness fluidity of this year's draft, maybe the guy the Sharks thought they would have gotten at eight goes at. Second overall to the team that the Kings trade with, you know, kind of thing. I'm, again, all theoreticals, but these are reasons that I think about for why I am perfectly fine that the Sharks didn't move up, didn't move down. They're sitting at seventh. They should get a very good player. 100%. Absolutely 100% agreed. Um, and we ran super long, um, and I do apologize because I know we were going to try and get shows down, but I just feel like we had a lot that I didn't want to cut things that we had promised to talk about. Um, so I don't know. I'll look at how I structure the show going forward. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much more I'd love to talk about, but obviously we've been on like almost two hours now, so we really need to cut this before we kill everyone's dog that uh, is being walked while listening to this. We're just, we're just drowning, you know. People people need something to come to after the the hockey game that was played tonight. So we we did not intend to be on after the game ended, but we're glad we're here for you. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts, Jerk? Final thoughts are: I'm probably the one Sharks fan that doesn't really care about Vegas going on to the Western Conference Final. I don't care. Just. Be- only because like they're a good team and as you say like when good teams play good it's good mm-hmm. like i to me it just means you know i i think we're all in agreement vegas is going to dummy montreal but at the same time who knows maybe they won't but i i think it would be great theater to see vegas up against either tampa bay or the islanders oh yeah you know at this point like the if if vegas eliminated the sharks this year in the playoffs, and yeah, fuck them. But the sharks <laughs> didn't even the sharks didn't even make the playoffs. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm just rooting for entertaining games. And I know it. it, it I, I there is a part of me that hates that Vegas won, but at the same time, this Vegas Colorado series was damn good. It was. It was. Um, 
Uh, do you want to say anything else, Kevin, before I shut her down here? I do, I do, but uh, uh, it was going to kind of be off the board. Is that cool? Okay, let me let me say this first then. Um, if like if so, obviously the favorites right now would obviously be a Tampa Vegas final. Yeah, who's likable in that situation? You have a team that's you know a little bit over the salary cap, just a teeny bit, <laughs> and the Vegas Golden Man. Knights. Who 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 is who is the face in that uh, in that match? <laughs> Tampa Bay is the baby face all the way. All the and, way. Yeah, and am I just saying that because they're my, you know, de facto secret, you know, second team when the Sharks aren't sniffing around it? Maybe. But I, I'm also very bitter just because I've had to hear a lot of lip about how Tampa Bay has created or committed this egregious crime of being over the salary cap. And it's like, you know, there were there was an article in the Toronto Star a few weeks ago about Tampa Bay's well, cap n- navigation. No, I didn't read it. Okay. I just saw the headline. And they're saying, oh, Tampa Bay's cap navigation is despicable. And it's like, did you not see what the Maple Leafs have done the last two years? Like, what's the difference? And, Glass you know, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out here to Drew Weber as well. If you're listening, how are you? Um, he, he was kind of beaking me about the whole salary cap thing. And I, I fired back. I said, you know, hey, buddy, um, if I remember correctly last year, uh, your friend Dougie Hamilton was on long term injured reserve in the same exact capacity. And it allowed them to bring in Brady Shea. And uh, he said, I think you're right. And I still don't like that. And I'm like, okay, at least at least he's sticking to his guns, even when it's his favorite team. But, you know, I, I, I had to I had to say it. Fair look, enough. for me with Tampa Bay, look at their team. It's the same team as last year. Sure, the the, the prices may have gone up on some of these players. But as as one famous man used to say, to be the man, woo, <laughs> you gotta beat the man. And Tampa Bay, the reigning champs, have the same roster. So, you know, the 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 Kucherov getting hurt, whatever, and he was hurt. He actually legitimately was hurt. So that's also part of why I'm okay with it. I, I he may not have been hurt enough to miss the whole regular season, but he was legitimately hurt and had to have surgery and everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I don't really fault Tampa Bay on that. I mean, for me, they have Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky. They still somehow have Alex Kalorn. That's the that's the one thing where I'm like, how has he not been traded for cap purposes yet? But <laughs> they've been able to hang on to to these players. They've got the freaking one of the best coaches in John Cooper. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Tampa Bay cap cap whatever. I think they deserve to be there. That's why they won the cup last year. So the fact that they're still here, I don't. I, I'm fine with it. And and I will say really quick, and then we really need to uh, get out of here. <laughs> um, so Craig Button, uh, mm-hmm. who we mentioned earlier, you know he was he was on the radio today, and he he had a quote actually about Tampa Bay's cap uh, navigation, and and I thought it was I thought it was a really good explanation, and I I wrote it down because I actually wanted to mention it in case it came up. Um, he said, you know, he's talking about Nikita Kucherov. He has the hip surgery, and you look at various hip surgeries around the NHL. The recovery timeline's more or less the same. Yep. No, you know? I, I don't like. And, I don't think they did anything wrong. Like they, what they did was totally within the rules. Are the rules right? 
maybe they need to look at that. Right. And and he followed that up. <laughs> he followed that up by saying, "So if you're out there and you believe that Tampa Bay refused to play their best player and reigning MVP so that they could avoid the salary cap, then you should probably write Santa Claus a letter and see if he brings you some presents as well." <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Kevin. I'm like, yeah, that's all right. right. My off the board stuff. First off, I, I got to give a shout out to Rob Iman in the chat. I think he's still in the chat here. You, you had an awesome quote earlier. I'm going to misquote. I'm going to have to paraphrase because I don't have it anymore. But he said something along the lines of, do we really need to go down this Noah road again? Oh. So I was like, Aha, I like what you did there. <laughs> um. All right, my my final thoughts real quick. Um, I think Ian's already seen them on my Twitter uh, recently, but uh, a couple of random-ish retirements out of out of Sweden or out of Europe, really. Uh, Victor Fast retired um, after winning the SHL League Championship this year as a 38-year-old goaltender of the year. Now, he actually lost his number one job because he got hurt in the playoffs. Um, to Eric Kalgren, who is a, a Leafs goalie. So maybe he's the future of the Leafs. I, I don't know. But Victor Faust, a player who didn't play in, you know, talking about Jonathan Dolan not playing in the top league in Sweden. Victor Faust, I don't believe, made his SHL debut till he was 28. I don't think he even played in the Allsvenskan until he was about 25. And then his first two years in the SHL, one goaltender of the year, won the league championship, comes over to the NHL, has a, a lights-out start to his NHL career. He kind yeah, of fell Anaheim, off the right? rails uh, with Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, talking about late-blooming goalies and to have the, the career that he's had, I mean, I he didn't do a whole lot there uh, his last few years in the NHL, but I think it's still worth saying, like, Hats off to you, Victor Fast. And then the other the, the other oddball retirement that happened uh, yesterday was Raphael Sanitz, who you none of you have ever heard of Raphael Sanitz, but he's a, a kind of a, a third line Swiss Swiss player. Um, he was drafted in the seventh round in two thousand one by Columbus. He was the only remaining active player from the first four Columbus draft classes. So, I mean, that's 20 years ago, and he's just now retiring. So, again, hats off to you. And he's getting his number retired by Lugano. So, obviously, he wasn't the the worst player in the world, even though his his uh, AHL total production was like six goals or something like that. But, hey, you know, uh, so two, two somewhat notable retirements I just wanted to throw out there for. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And I'm Kevin Lacey, and I'm throwing it to you, Ian, to take us home. All right, guys. Um, so, yeah, this was obviously our show a little bit longer. I don't think we want to run these shows this long all the time. So I do apologize if your dog is now dying of um, over-exercise uh, as you listen to this podcast. Um, do appreciate everyone watching, though. Obviously, remember all the important stuff. If you like what you listen to and everything else that we do on Town USA, please subscribe. You know, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. Uh, if you have anything you want to um, say about the show, leave us a comment on YouTube, or you can always, you know, hit us up on Twitter as well. Um, on the Twitter machine, uh, Kevin at Kevin Lacey 22 at hockey underscore jerk at Ian blogs hockey. 
Um, so obviously appreciate um, all you guys coming along for the for the ride and and being here and appreciate you guys watching. Um, you know, even if you are half watching us, half watching the game, we super appreciate uh, you guys doing this. And uh, we will see you soon. So stay tuned for the next time we're up. Uh, next up on Teal Town USA is likely going to be some uh, third round prognostications. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, it's going to be the Eastern Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup warm up series. Right. <laughs> but uh, definitely, again, super appreciate everyone being here. And uh, we hope you enjoyed. Let us know how we did. Uh, and we will see you next time. Thank you very much.